there's a lot more homeless out here than you than you think. There's some few people that come in here for from other other cities like L.A. Uh, or L.A. County, Riverside County. It's like double, triple in the last I'd say the last ten years. If you take a bike ride, go down and look at all the tents under the bridges. There's maybe it used to be back when there's maybe one one or two. There's about thirty of them or forty of them. You go down to, like to the five freeway, they're they're, all, they're lined up all over the place. It's definitely a place where a lot of people either live or congregate. I'm a cyclist who rides his bike uh, most days. Um, I'm out here on the river trail probably on average three days a week. Population seems to be fairly large and would probably, based on my observations over the last seven or eight years of being out here regularly, probably has gone up, not down. We are on the Santa Ana River Trail, uh, affectionately known as SART to cyclists. Conventionally goes from Yorba Linda all the way down to Huntington Beach for about 22 miles along the Santa Ana River. The homeless population that has kind of set up um, camps and communities down in the Santa Ana River, um, it's really exploded, for lack of a better term, over the last couple of years, probably the last four to five years. It's really gotten um, pretty dense with population down here. And so it's... Um, it's kind of a symptom of a larger issue with the homeless community and um, our struggles with trying to figure out ways to help them here. Welcome to the November 2015 episode of 3 and 2 and 1. I am your host, David Gillanders, here in my garage in Old Town Orange, along with my co-host, Ezra the Dog. This episode is releasing on Thanksgiving, so I wish you all a happy holiday. If you're in America and you're celebrating Thanksgiving, and I hope that you are all doing well and spending plenty of time with your family and your friends and enjoying your time off of work. I thought for this month we might do something a little bit different. Uh, you may remember from episode two, a friend of mine named Erica Aguilar, who is a local journalist uh, in the Southern California area. She and I, back in August, went on a tour of a local uh, bike uh, multi-use running path called the Santa Ana River Trail, which is pretty popular here locally in Orange County, California. It actually stretches from the local mountains all the way down to the beach. And uh, you can run on it, you can you can ride your bike, which is what I do, you can ride a horse probably if you want to, you can do just about anything. And for about 23 miles, it's inside of Orange County boundaries, and it goes from uh, out east in Yorba Linda all the way down to uh, Huntington Beach. It's just a two-lane path. It goes under a lot of the major uh, streets and highways, and you know, a couple hours after you start it on your bike, you can find yourself uh, amidst the palm trees and the ocean and the uh, and the nice uh, scenery at the beach. So, but along the way, things are a little bit different. It's not paradise necessarily. Along the way, there's a significant amount of uh, homeless encampments, uh, people living down in the river itself living on both sides of the river, living under the path and under the underpasses um, in each uh, street uh, as you go down. And for those of you who don't know, uh, my personal life, which involves a lot of cycling on that trail, I ride it quite often. I rode it a couple times this weekend. I ride it regularly during the week when I can. It intersects with my professional life because uh, what I do for a living, um, 
what I do for a passion, I suppose. What I do for my career is I help folks uh, that are homeless. And uh, currently I'm working more with the domestic violence victims, people who are homeless because they're fleeing domestic violence and are survivors of domestic violence. Um, but I've done a lot of work in the past uh, with advocacy around chronic homelessness. And a lot of that chronic homelessness right now is taking place in the Santa Ana River Trail. So this is a, something that's near and dear to my heart. So as I was saying before, back in August, I took Erica down to the River Trail um, and we spent about five hours uh, from about 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. or so going up and down the river trail talking to different people. We talked to people that were homeless. We talked to people that are housed but use the trail a lot and observe a lot of things on their bikes or on their walks. And we talked to people who are trying to help. So there's a lot to dig into here. So we're going to get to the first segment, some interviews, some conversation, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. Describe for me what you're seeing. Uh, it's a pretty makeshift camp. It's probably not too well organized, but you've got easy ups, tents, you've got boxes full of stuff, you've got you know weird pseudo locker type things, um, tents obviously, tarps, you've got everything. And I mean in 2013 there was nothing here. This is just, I rode that whole side and counted the homeless and I think I talked to like two or three people from the whole way up on that side of the river and now there's one two three four five six maybe seven camps total over there oh look there's a bike going down there you see him that's i mean it's incredibly dangerous i mean it's sitting right here in the river if there is rain that's coming you're going to be asking these people to quickly move every single article of their personal belongings their entire life out of this area well i know i know what what it's like to leave for a flood because in texas we have lots of floods yeah. from weathercast you get like a day warning ahead yeah. of time so you start working the day ahead but they're not watching the weather that is i mean yeah, and that is one of my big concerns is like if el nino is really coming if if it's going to be as aggressive and as you know assertive as the 97 98 one it's like what what's going to happen to these folks where where do they go then how fast can they get their stuff together and i mean more importantly their lives right their lives are going to be at risk i mean you're obviously i mean the big concern is that you know if any of these have families in them it's not an appropriate place for kids but i mean it's really not an appropriate place for anybody i mean who knows what kind of nefarious stuff is going to be going on or people coming through here in the middle of the night and stuff like that so i assume people you know camp along this riverside here because it's it's actually kind of private i mean they're away from you know people so they're not bugging people and that's what and they're out of the way and out of the sight and and people hate people hate seeing homeless people out i mean unfortunately it is yeah the biggest complaint it's almost it's it's funny well i mean i think there's a couple things i think it's 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 out of plain sight Right. I mean, the people using this trail for exercise, they don't really as long as there's not glass on the trail and there's not things in the middle of it and people aren't getting in their way, they don't really care. And I mean, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there are some people who care, but I mean, they're not paying as close attention to it. It's not their focus. And but if this was at their neighborhood, you know, they'd probably have a whole different perspective on it, you know. But down here, they are going to be mostly left alone. There's jurisdiction issues like who controls this exactly from a police perspective. No way. Yeah. Who does control this area? You tell me. I mean, I think the way we've 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 talked about it with the police, because one one of the big concerns I've had is that eventually these camps are going to get broken up. They're going to get raided. Cops are going to come in. They're going to do similar things to what they've done in L.A. and they're going to clear people out. And then where do these people go? You know, but um, into the cities and then exactly. Exactly. So it's almost a double-edged sword. So it, it, the other question, I mean, it's 
you know, police departments, local jurisdictions, I think, have say over what goes on. So this is Anaheim right here. Um, we're right. We're in Anaheim. Yeah, we're right in the shadow of the Honda Center. Oh, right. That is the Honda Center right there. Honda Center's, Honda Center's right there. Arctic, the new um, Anaheim Regional Transportation Center is right there. Anaheim Stadium is right there. It'll be really funny when, not funny, it's tragic. When we go forward, we're on Catella and you realize that we are slung between two of the people who have the most wealth in Orange County, have hundreds of homeless people living between their two stadiums and the Honda Center and then Anaheim Stadium. Maybe the lives of the homeless are not a big concern to a lot of people, but they're a concern to some of us for sure. Yeah, for sure. Wow, this is our first encampment that we've seen so far. And this is just small potatoes compared to what's coming, so. Let's go check it out. So I'm standing underneath an underpass and there are a ton of camps here and tents, you know, with um, trash cans, but also just blankets out and tarps. Um. Uh, my name is Kat Walker. I've been here over a year on the Santa Ana River trip, bike ride. What's it like living out on the trail? It's really tough, especially for a girl. Um, you gotta watch your back all the time. Fucking take everything you own if you don't want it stolen. Um, it's just really tough. You have to have nerves of steel, dealing with all the predators and people that you have to come in contact with. And you're constantly judged by other people in society too. It's hard to even go into a restaurant or something to get food or water or anything, even if you have money, it's, it's difficult. When the country took a shit, I stopped working and then I couldn't pay my rent and then I got thrown out of my house and that's it, there was nothing left. Um, I was working at McDonald's for a while. I've done different things, I've worked in a machine shop, I've done all kinds of jobs, customer service, fast food. Just when the country picked back up again, I never bothered to look for a job again because I was too busy doing this. Too busy looking for food, too busy looking for shelter, too busy looking for other things. It's a full-time job to be It is, here. it is. We don't want to be here. We didn't really get a choice. It's like backed into a corner. And now there's nothing left. It's not like you go and fill out a job application. I want to be a homeless bum. You know, it's just, it's just what you end up with. And you just make the best of it. Not everybody's the same, but, you know, a lot of people, they didn't ask for this. I'm 44. I'm pretty young compared to some other people out here. Oh, really? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. A lot of older people? Yeah, a lot of older people. Like seniors, you think? Oh, yeah, seniors and veterans, which is terrible. Actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of veterans. At least a lot the of veterans. data shows that there are a lot yeah, of veterans. Yeah, a lot of veterans. Shelters are no good. They want to lock you up. It's just like jail. This like is the only this is the only place where we have our freedom, where we can do what we want to do. You know, we still live our lives. You know, or they like, won't let you go. They want you in some program where they lock you up and you can't go anywhere for the first so and so days or whatever. That's jail. I'm not going to sign up for jail. That's ridiculous. I didn't do anything wrong. I try not to commit any crimes. I try not to fucking do anything wrong. I try to leave everybody else alone. Hopefully, they'll leave me alone. Doesn't always work that way. I moved to Florida once, spent six months in Florida, and then I came back. 
It's not the same. It's not the same. All my friends and family are here. I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know my way around. I kept getting lost. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. At least here I can't get lost. What else can you tell me about the Santa Ana River Trail? This is the first time I've ever been on the trail. So The trail is great. The trail itself is great. Riding your bike is the ultimate freedom. It's a way to get exercise. It's the best. It's the best thing ever happened to me, to be honest, was my ex told me, go bike riding. It's and so then I found the love of exercise again. Because I used to be very heavy and now I'm not. And it's it's awesome because yeah, it's ultimate freedom. You can do whatever lighting up as we're talking about bike riding. Awesome. I mean that the bike the bike trail itself is awesome. I mean it's a way to relax and get away from your troubles no matter who you are but the fact that we have to live on it I mean that's just a byproduct you know but yeah keep riding keep um, staying outside can you tell me about the other camps that are also all around oh god I've lived in a bunch of different camps like I've lived as far uh, north as the old train bridge um, that's on the rocks and it was slanted and it was not fun (laughs) I've lived all the way down underneath the five I've lived under Chapman um, down under five, and those people are really hinky. You gotta watch your back really bad. You gotta watch your bike really bad. Everything comes up missing. It's just a lot of hassles and drama. As you edge your way this way, the people get a little better, just marginally, just marginally. But you still gotta lock up your bike. You still gotta watch your back. It's the same all over. But yeah, don't go that way. <laughs> go that way. <laughs> Definitely go north. I'm show her that way. Yeah. I, know, I know what it's like down there, so oh, yeah. yeah, we're going to go take a look under Oh, that. and they call memory lane in the 22 the dark side. Yeah. Do they really? Why? Oh, yes. Why? Uh, probably because the 22 has lots of shade, but probably because those, those fuckers are really twisted, <laughs> and they're sick. There's a lot of gayness going on down there. So, yeah, nobody lives on the dark side unless you want to live on the dark side. Yeah. Are you getting services from anyone? Like what? I don't know. Um, food, food housing, clothing. No, no, not really. Because no one really comes out here. Um, there was a one group that came. Actually, they came Friday night. They brought, brought a trailer with showers. That was great. I don't even know who they were. They fed us and they gave us showers and they gave us a bunch of hygiene products. That was great. It was fantastic. So they said they're going to come every Friday night. I'm like, cool. Someone, say, someone came along, offering you permanent housing. You'd probably jump at the opportunity, Permanent right? housing. I'd laugh at them. Are you joking? I mean, it's got to be a fucking trick, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, unless the, you won a contest or so. I don't know. I mean, I would think that it's not true. You mean... to show how detached we are from the services we need, from the services we actually have available. Wait, hold, hold. I'm trying to get oh, my... Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Without a doubt what you heard in Catwalker's voice during that interview is a lot of desperation. It's very revealing to hear from someone who is homeless about what it's actually like to be homeless in terms of the day-to-day struggle. Every day is a constant battle just for survival. How do you rejoin society? How do you get a job? How do you find a place to live? How do you get clean and sober when every single day is just one more day where you're hoping to make it through to the night and then you're hoping to survive the night without getting stabbed without having your stuff stolen, without getting raped. And then you have to get up. And again, just try to survive. Just try to eat. Just try to have shelter. Just try to make it. In the second half of the episode, we go to the dark side, which really isn't all that dark. It's not all that scary. We meet a homeless vet, or a formerly homeless vet, who's still kind of homeless, down there visiting with his friends. 
We hand out some granola bars and some water. And then we meet a friend of mine who's actually riding his bike on the trail and get his perspective as another cyclist who rides the trail frequently to see what he thinks of what's going on down there. And finally, we visit a feeding. A faith-based group comes out on Sunday afternoons and feeds in the park. And they have an interesting perspective on what's going on there. It's my hope that with all of these interviews with folks with different perspectives on what's happening, it'll paint a comprehensive picture and what the thoughts are on the river trail and the homeless situation there. So this is the dark side that Cat Walker was talking about. This is on the Garden Grove Boulevard. I can't really see what, it doesn't, that's why I asked you, I was like, what are you talking about? Because I can't really see that. So it's not a lot of space. Twice a week, but it's, it's elevated here. It's up on the platforms. In the mornings, to be honest, you have to watch out for stuff that's falling off the sides into the bike path. Stuff? Yeah, people kick things over in the middle of the night, throw bottles down there and break them sometimes. And I see. The organization level is different than I think I've ever seen it. How so? Just the numbers increasing. And I think that one thing that's kind of a telltale sign of, um, of sort of the development, for lack of a better term, is that there, it's, there's more organization in terms of the camps. There's more... You know, there's there's like a separate camp for women and children they're talking about that's in actually some of the underground areas that we can't really see from the surface. And then there's, you know, there's certain camps where um, there's more substance abuse than others, um, things like that. You know, I, I don't think the idea of strength in numbers is, is limited to just people who have homes and kind of standstill stationary communities. I think it's, it's, it's a very real thing for this population, too. And I even on, you know, training rides where I'm zipping by at 20 miles an hour with my friends and stuff, I just... It, it really hurts me every time to, to see that we've done this or we've, 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 created, a, um, we've created a community in, in Orange County that would allow for something like this. Kind of that ongoing narrative of Orange County being this well-to-do, um, expensive place where social problems don't exist is just absolute nonsense uh, and that people really need to, to stop and take a look around at what's going on because it affects everybody. Wow, we're going under the bridge now, and yeah, you can see there's definitely camps out here. That's like definitely a lot of stuff. Look at this. Yeah. I know, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, it's more than what I expected. lot of smelly weed up there <laughs> I well as soon as like we got in like as soon as we got to cruising I was like that's a wafting smell yeah. <laughs> amazing it's funny we're a lot of folks are appropriately changing their perspective on drugs in the homeless like assistance arena yeah and it's good we should not be drug testing Special Forces, 123rd Airborne. Wow. Hey, wow. Yeah, that's right. Pretty cool. Awesome. Oh. So, tell me your name again. Okay, it's, it's uh, William, William Mark. William Mark. Yeah. Where are you from? Huntington Park, Los Angeles, California. I'm uh, I'm currently homeless. I've been homeless now for like five years. 
I stay in a church. So I don't, I don't, I come down here and visit my friends. So I've lived here for 40, 40 years. In Orange County? You mean where? Excuse me? Where do you mean you lived here? For? No, I've lived here, I lived in Garden, I've been in Garden Grove for 40, over 40 years. I became homeless because uh, I have a, I have a brain tumor. So, but I became homeless because I'm, I have no family. It's just, uh, stuff, things happen. I went to jail for, I went to prison for a while. That's why I became homeless. Uh, how often are you on the Santa Ana River Trail? Oh, uh, it's the first time I've been out here for about a month. I, I come and see these guys once in a while, but I want to say hello to Curtis and, and Serena and uh, and Keith and uh, Jerry underneath the bridge over here. They're all good, good friends of mine and Tim. Oh, they, 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 they're not really happy about the way they live, but they, you know what? Uh, my little friend Keith and, and Jerry, they, they, they do what they got to do. Uh, Keith does a lot of work. He recycles and he, he, you know, his wife just passed away here last year, year, over a year ago. And he's dealing with that. They were married and I knew his wife along for many years too. And he's my best friend, man. He's one of my best friends. I care about him a lot. I care about all those people there. So you come and check on them? That's yeah, why I come and check on them. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, why not? So you make sure they're still alive and not dead, you know? There was a guy here a few years ago running around stabbing people, uh, killing them, stabbing them when they're sleeping. Did you hear about that? Daytime is fine. But a woman alone, no. There's some uh, homeless people out here that have kids, and I mean, that's what really bothers me. And I go, wow. I would do everything I can to get my kid off the street. If, if I had a, little, a wife and a baby, I sure the hell wouldn't live out here. Yep, yep, Excuse my French. Wow. Yep, there's so people living in tunnels, under bridges, everywhere. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah, well, if they're under the bridge, they're gonna get, they're gonna get washed away. They're gonna go all the way down here. My name is Eric Popiel. Um, I own a business related to cycling called East West Bikes. I'm out here on the river trail probably on average three days a week. It's definitely a place where a lot of people either live or congregate. Um, seems to sort of range across both genders and lots of age groups and lots of, you know, backgrounds and such. Um, population seems to be fairly large and would probably, based on my observations over the last seven or eight years of being out here regularly, probably has gone up, not down. If I had to guess, it's mostly just people that either have had just weird things happen to them and find themselves on the streets or maybe like have medical issues um, that aren't being tended to properly. Um, I don't think that, generally speaking, the interactions between us and them are negative or positive. It's more of just like a mutual, like we just kind of live together in a strange way. I've definitely seen right here, you know, from like that bridge to that bridge, um, like large, like sweeps of like police vehicles, like just clearing away homeless camps. Um, camps meaning like, you know, established places with tents and other things for day-to-day -day living. Um, they don't seem to be hostile sweeps but they definitely are not leaving until everybody kind of packs up and moves on. Of course, as one would expect, within like two to three days, they're right back to where they originally were, but there's some sort of initiative in Anaheim or whatever other municipalities this, this path right here crosses through that's saying, you know, we need to move them. I'm not sure what that really means because we're, you know, it's like, a, it's like a balloon. If I squeeze from one side, the other side blows up. Where but somehow or other, they're getting pushed around a bit. <laughs> Barbara, yeah. this gentleman's gonna lost his plate. Can can you get him another? One? A dog got it. Somebody got it. Are you a first timer today? Yes. 
someone. We've been doing a, this hot lunch program for about six years. Nice to meet you. I'm Steve, pastor of this little group, uh, congregation in Anaheim, Lamb of God Lutheran Church. We saw an opportunity to come down here when we discovered that the one place uh, that people normally go for, for a hot meal each day in this area is not open on Sunday. And so we thought we, were, we could possibly expand. Over the years, the group has grown. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the need has been strong ever since we've been doing it. It, it varies just a wee bit depending on the, the day. Of the, uh, earlier in the month, it's a little lighter, but, but the need has just continued to be here at this level or more. A lot of them find their you find their you know places to encamp along the river, even though that's that's not always encouraged. But that's where people can find some shelter and and, and uh, relief from the elements. But, and there's a huge debate right now in the county of Orange about what to do about shelter. That's a major issue in this area with the board of supervisors in Orange County, as well as local communities like Anaheim and and others, and, and so. Uh, the, there is a huge concern about how to address this need that isn't going away. Uh, Iced tea. I'm a tea drinker. My name's Jason. Jason. Uh, what's your last name? I don't like to give that out. That's we'll fine. say Jason from? Uh, Orange, you can say. Jason of Orange. Cool. Yeah. How old are you? I am 37. 37 years mm. old. Okay. So tell me, uh, why are you here today? Why am I here? Because I'm homeless, actually. Yeah, that's why I'm here today. Where do you stay mostly? Uh, anywhere that I actually like crash. It's like I'll find a spot somewhere and I'll see it. I'll just knock out for the day or whatnot. But yeah. Here in the here on the along the trail. Uh, along the trail or sometimes around the city. It depends where I'm at. As much as I love the idea of the shelters, the way that they've been run recently has been more like they're they feel like a second, like a second jail almost. This is the second person who's told me this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They feel like a jail cell. They, they run them like a jail. They treat you like you're an inmate. And uh, honestly, there's no way for you. It's like almost being a second part of the system. There's no way for you to actually get out. Do you mean like they just don't let you out or you don't have a lot of the basic freedoms that you think you would when you're at home? Exactly. It's not just that, but the way that they, they run the programs. And I understand it's because they have so many people that go in and out of the out of the system that they actually run it that way. But it's not. It's more the sense that you don't have a sense of personal freedom. I mean, I'm not saying that they're all that way, but most of them that I've been to uh, have been that way. Lived with my parents, lived on my own, lived with a girl, had a little family going on, you name it. Like I said, it was wrong people. Wrong people all together and, you know, things don't turn out the way that you expect them and you just have to move on and grow. Wait, have you ever been homeless before? I was once before, yeah, when I was uh, 17. What happened? Uh, my parents kicked me out of my house. It was after I had joined the Navy and my, it was against my father's wishes. So you just can imagine what kind of like, you know, friction was going on there. So I had gotten back from the uh, medical entry like program station that they have on here in uh, Orange County, not in Orange County, but in LA. And uh, I came home and I was really happy and excited about the whole, you know, thing because I joined the Navy, did something good for myself, seeing my future ahead of me, I'm actually walking my plan. I get to the door and my dad, it's uh, Saturday, my dad opens the door and he socks me, what the hell are you doing? socks me in the face right I fall back what's going on dad what the fuck is your problem you know you know he goes what the 
hell are you doing joining the Navy? Get the hell out of my freaking house. I don't want you here anymore. I'm not even going to call you. You're not even my son. He grabs all my stuff. He throws it out on the street. So I spent a year out here out on the street when I was 17 years old. How'd you get out of it? I didn't. What happened was that I graduated high school and I went straight into the Navy. I was in it for about almost eight years. I'm the kind of person, I don't like to do fallbacks until I really need them. And I don't like to fall back on my brothers and sisters in the Navy until I'm like, I'm exhausted every possible option that there is out here. There you go. Thanks. You're welcome. So I learned that there's a larger homeless population here than I actually expected. What made me really sad was seeing the steps to that uh, homeless encampment because it was actually a really nice entryway. And I thought, oh, um, like they took the time to make it look nice, which meant that this is home. And it's sad that like this is home, you know. Um, so we didn't go all the way down to the Santa Ana area um, or down to the Huntington Beach area, all the way down to the beach. What what does that area look like? Because you have. It's not really, it's not really too much dissimilar. I mean, you have a lot of the, um, a lot of the camps there are going to be right under the bridges, right up, butted up against the trail and kind of elevated. So there's a lot less space. So there's a lot more people fighting for small quarters, but then you get down and there's some, some like brush and trees along the side of the trail. And then there's, there's walls backed up to it in between like the trail and the trees and just in that area like kind of it's like there's industry and there's houses and stuff and then you'll start to see tents like lined up against those walls so it'll be like the trail some trees tents and then a wall and what we're seeing now is we're seeing communities start to be built down there too we're starting to see more organization we're starting to see more um more folks kind of congregate and, and establish themselves in that area and i mean you're right it's like the one thing we learn about outreach is that when we go to talk to folks we need to treat them like we're going into their living room and how would we feel if we, someone was coming into our living room because that's that's all they have and your analogy or your thing about the steps going into that place and that being somebody's home it's it's not even an analogy really i guess it's the truth that those are their homes So you heard what Erica's takeaway was from her first experience with the Santa Ana River Trail. What's your takeaway from the episode? My hope is that it'll shed a little bit of light on what it's like to be homeless, but it'll also tell you that homelessness is a little bit different for everybody. A lot of the problems are the same. Every day is a struggle. You're fighting just to survive every single day. And it's tough. It's really, really hard to be homeless. But how people get there and what their natural response to it is can be different from person to person. We heard from Kat, who the economic downturn really affected her. Just couldn't get stable, couldn't stay stable. We heard from a vet. He had his own reasons for being homeless. We heard from someone who had family strife, made some poor decisions, ended up homeless. But again, that one consistent theme through everybody is that homelessness is hard. It's really hard. And what I hope happens, what I hope we can depend on sometimes is that people can see in their own community when this is going on and how this is happening and try to do something to help, which is the nice thing about the faith-based community coming out to feed on Sundays. It's good. It's simple. It's food. It's something everybody needs. Everybody needs to eat, but everybody also needs a place to live. For me personally, when I see 
this time of year, especially around the holidays, there's a lot of overtures made to the general public for donations for different NGOs, non-governmental organizations working overseas, famine in Africa, political strife and refugees in Asia or the Middle East. But there's a lot we can do for things that are going on in our own backyard, things that affect our community, things that are tangible, things that we see every day. I'm not an isolationist, and I take a lot of pride in the fact that America is quite often the last bastion of help and assistance for poor countries. And we are a place that can help and be a leader in those areas. But we also have a lot of problems of our own. We have a lot of problems that are local, a lot of problems that are on our street corners. These are things we can do something about. Homelessness is a solvable problem. It's very simple. It's economics. It's giving people a place to live, despite whatever their situation is, whatever their challenges are. When people have a place to live, they can start to get it together. Then they can look for a job. It's called the housing first model. It's very popular, becoming more popular every year. And it's very effective. We see really great results all over the country from jurisdictions and counties and states that have employed housing first as their primary means of solving homelessness. Here in Orange County, where vacancies for apartments are less than 1%, rents are skyrocketing. These models are problematic sometimes. These challenges are real, trying to find apartments that will rent to people that are homeless. Even with all the letters of recommendation, with all the down payment money, it can be hard. Landlords can be choosy, and it's well within their right to be choosy. But we're still fighting, we're still struggling every single day to try to figure out how best to make our programs here so that we can get all of these people off the street, so we can get Cat off the street, Jason, everybody. Some interesting things have happened since we recorded this in August. Two weeks ago, there were some pretty aggressive sweeps of the camps down in the Santa Ana River Trail. A lot of people were displaced. A lot of people had their belongings thrown into a giant truck called the Crusher. The ACLU was present. The police and public works wouldn't really talk to anybody. I'm sure they were instructed not to. A lot of people witnessed it. A lot of people took notes. A lot of people took pictures. A lot of people talked about it. It got attention. It was couched around the idea that El Nino is coming and El Nino is going to be dangerous for people. And it's true, it is. When El Nino hits, which is expected to be in January or February, it could be devastating for anyone that's living in the Santa Ana River. On the trails off to the side, they're probably okay. So was this a unique opportunity to sweep the camps in the name of El Nino? Or was this a legitimate concern for safety? I speculate it was a little bit of both. It was taken as an opportunity to move these people somewhere else. The problem with that is that they'll be back because they don't have anywhere to go. They're homeless. And we took at least briefly, the one small piece of land that they could call their own, the one place they could lay their head and hopefully be safe. Their outpost to continue that day-to-day struggle of survival. Something else interesting happened. Last week, our board of supervisors in Orange County approved 5-0 to zero, with a 5-0 to zero vote to purchase the land and the building to open our first ever year-round full-time homeless shelter. It'll have 200 beds, which for a county of 3.3 million people with over 5,000 chronically homeless that we know about, 200 beds barely makes a dent. But it's going to have a big service component. And the goal of that service component is going to be to truly end people's homelessness by linking them to housing, linking them to jobs, linking them to health care, and yes, linking them to substance abuse, rehabilitation, and things of that nature. I have that optimism all across the board. I think we will effectively end homelessness at some point, but it's going to continue to take a lot of advocacy and a lot of awareness and a lot of participation from the community. At some point, the community has to stand in and say, 
it's unacceptable for the richest nation in the world to have a homeless population like ours. But I think we're getting there. And I think Thanksgiving is a good time to talk about these things. So, happy Thanksgiving. This month's episode was produced by Eric Aguilar and edited by John Holzer. And I appreciate their help very, very much. I hope you do have a fantastic Thanksgiving and I hope you're not afraid to talk about subjects like this around the dinner table. We'll see you in December. Be well. <laughs>